0: Hi and welcome to The Art Word Podcast. My name is Jenny Danielson and this is a special edition in collaboration with Royale Project. The exhibition is called If You Steal My Sunshine, California Abstraction Now and we are about to listen to an interview I did with Heather Day. At the end, Rick Royale will say something about the exhibition as a whole. Hope you will enjoy it. California abstraction now. Yeah. What's abstraction to you? What does it mean?
1: Uh, I mean, it's several things, but in part for me, abstraction is derivative from very uh, process-oriented mediums. Um, my paintings are very um, process-oriented in that I'm pushing and pulling and smearing the paint and reacting as I go rather than planning in advance. Um, and then there's also... Um, aside from the process, I'm also thinking about synesthetic experiences. Um, I have synesthesia, so I associate color with sound, texture, uh, heightened emotion. It's as if somebody's holding a filter, uh, a colored filter over the side of my eyes, and I see little blurs of color. And so I'm constantly trying to think of how I can interpret that onto the canvas. Has it always
0: been like
1: that? I've always had this strange ability, but I thought everyone did. Um, until a few years ago, and so um, I think my work has its color has been an obsession of mine for you know since I was little because of this ability. But I assumed everyone had synesthesia and didn't realize that it was particular to me as well. How did you find out that us, the
0: people around you,
1: are different? <laughs> well, what's what's strange to say about that is it's not saying like oh I'm the special one here, but it's it's more about. Uh, Realizing, first of all, we all see color differently, and it's um, we can never actually articulate exactly how we are experiencing color. But I'm constantly trying to think of new ways I can make, I can convey my own experiences in hopes that other people find a connection or a relationship to that and to what I'm trying to explain on a canvas. So, uh, am I right now? You work with
0: pigment and pencil.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. To word it simply, but um, like this piece behind us here is uh, spray paint, acrylic, um, graphite, pastel. There's a lot of mediums in it. And how do you find these materials that you work with? Um, Well, I guess it's a big thing in my work recently has been in the past few years, um, shifting from scale, um, having a shift in perspective from working really small to really large. So when I was working on works on paper, working in pastel, Um, that was a very different, um, kind of more of an intimate relationship with the way the pastel was hitting the paper. And then as it translated to canvas, that evolved in working with uh, other mediums, wider brushes. And then when I got into murals, I obviously couldn't use pastel. And then that's when I became interested in spray paint. And then um, it came back into my smaller works as well. I just loved the way the color could explode out of the can and the way I could uh, play with the way it was going to be distorted,
0: and so how did
1: this change come about from the small to the large? Um, it was it was really derivative of an obsession. <laughs> I want to create work that involves my whole body. And so the larger I get, the more I can surround myself with color and think about um, the relationship of color and texture interacting with the viewer and how they they are involved in it too. Um, looking Looking at a painting really close up, a really large painting really close up is such a great experience. I think of like the first time I saw a Joan Mitchell or a Jackson Pollock painting um, it's completely different than seeing it in a textbook when it's really small and intimate versus having it kind of surround you in a space. So uh,
0: so, did, but you didn't say, uh, did you change your studio? Did something like that happen? Did you get a bigger place? Did you get the commission to do something big? And then all of a sudden, you had the opportunity to work on a larger scale.
1: Yeah, there's definitely a lot of realities that come with uh, how this shift in perspective happened. But um, it started off with a really small studio in Oakland, and every year I would kind of switch studios or upgrade to something a little bigger. Um, the studio scale has—I've uh, been in the same studio for a few years now. And um, what the other thing that shifted was the, the working on murals. And the more murals I did, the larger opportunities I was granted as well.
0: And these murals are those outdoor
1: murals. They're interior and exterior, so I'm working, um, what's interesting about that is then I'm not only working on paper and canvas, and now I'm thinking about wall and what that means. So any kind of texture like bricks, stucco, concrete, and then thinking about how that color or texture I'm painting with is gonna be absorbed into the material.
0: So, but what you have contributed to this exhibition is a painting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How would you describe the painting? That painting is called uh, Curtain Number Two, and I've been thinking a lot about um, ways of revealing the history of the marks that I'm making, and how that relates to uh, you know personality, um, ideas and thoughts, how much we choose to convey um, and and be vulnerable versus hold back. And painting is so much about, especially this series of what that I call Curtain, is so much about. Um, you know making marks reaction reacting to the marks and then also um, creating problems to solve and i always think that a painting isn't good enough until it kind of had to go on trial to prove itself it needs to get a little bit of me- a little bit messy um something effortless and something considered yeah
0: because that's when your job is finished right and then the painting goes out in and into the world
1: yeah, I mean, that you sounds know. so easy, though. Yeah, no, <laughs> but, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know. But ideally, yeah, that's kind of how I judge if a painting is, is done, which is a toss-up, but usually it's, I've stared at it enough and um, there's nothing else to do.
0: Yeah, and when you have that feeling, you, uh, can you kind of let go of it? What do you mean? Well, because I always have a feeling that if, if the work is done at the studio, you leave it to the world. Right now it's in, in, in a small in a gallery downtown LA in in relation to other artworks, mm-hmm. so it's kind of remote from you in a way.
1: Yeah, I guess there is kind of a stamp of approval too when a painting leaves the studio. Uh, again, that goes back into the whole idea of the shift in perspective. Uh, I feel the same way when my works on paper get framed; it suddenly feels more complete. A lot of that just evolves over time to understanding and learning from a mark and deciding whether or not if one mark is enough or if it needs a series of reactions to to um, accompany it
0: that's interesting what you say about the framing i never really thought about that but of course that shifts everything
1: yeah I, i like to think about the evolution of a painting and how it starts with picking out the material too. um, Touching the paper, touching the canvas, um, buying the materials that's needed for it. In a way, you're already, um, you know, I say my work isn't planned, but there is some planning that goes involved when you need to purchase the material alone. Um, And then from there, um, stretching the canvas, priming it, or whatever it is you're doing to the surface. And then, you know, you make the painting Whether or not it's done, you're still deciding. And then wrapping it up or documenting it, you're having an intimate experience with it in another way. So many times I take a photo of a painting to decide if it's done, and then I flip it upside down and look at the image differently. And that also helps.
0: Have you done any performance work?
1: No. uh, I once did an artist residency um, outside of Washington, D.C. It, it, uh, It was called Artisphere. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was... A wonderful idea where they had me working in a gallery and I was really grateful for the opportunity but I didn't like the idea of feeling like I was a hamster on the wheel I really value privacy when it comes to making my work that said I do feel like my murals are the most um, performative aspect of my work being that it is out in the public and happening in front of people yeah
0: because it sounds like you you um You work bodily, as in your body is very much involved with the work that you do.
1: Yeah, it's extremely physical. Um, I do sometimes feel like my body is just like the vehicle or means of ways to push the paint around um, to to see how far I can stretch, and that is how far the mark goes, and using my my body almost as like a compass in that way. Is
0: there anything you would like to say about the exhibition or about your
1: work that I haven't asked you about? Oh, no. Um... I think that's about it. I'm pretty excited. Uh, we have an upcoming show um, with Royale Projects um, going to Untitled in San Francisco next month. So,
0: and um, why well, California? What, have you always lived in California?
1: Uh, no, I'm originally from Hawaii, actually. But I moved a lot as a kid. I lived near Washington D.C., and then I, I went to high school in Chicago, and then college in Baltimore, actually, and then moved to San Francisco. And I've been there for about seven or eight years now (laughs) it's been a while how
0: about california do you think we can see california in your work
1: yeah i think so i mean when i moved there granted it was right after undergrad so there was going to be an automatic shift in my work with just kind of a craving to break what i had been doing in an institution i think but also my work got a lot brighter too i think the colors in california affect my work and kind of the more of a loose lifestyle, uh, more organic ways of working. I mean,
0: that is really the feeling about California, isn't it? That nature or light is... Every day, that's something we negotiate. We see the sky all the time. It really changes. And everything is a bit new. Yeah. And everyone is a bit adventurous.
1: I, I agree. People are more outdoorsy here. I mean, I hate to stereotype it, but with my work... Being that in the Bay Area, I'm just cor- constantly surrounded by water. Even driving up and down California along the coast, you're never that far from water. And I just love that aspect. And I think and my work is very like water-oriented in, in a way. And I, I do wonder if that has somehow um, made, its, made its way present into my work.
0: I would think so. I mean, I think we're deeply connected to the, to the place we're at. Absolutely. A, a bit more than we probably understand. So. Yeah. I think it's a lot of it is very intuitive. Okay. Oh yeah, no one thing that that would be interesting actually. Um, considering we are in California, how about historical influences when it comes to minimalism and abstraction? Yeah. Do, you have, do you have a point of reference, or do you have a sense that you have a connection?
1: Yeah, I'm really drawn to. I love Katerina Gross's work. Um, speaking of like a contemporary, and Sam Gilliam. And I'm also drawn to Helen Frankenthaler, John Mitchell I mentioned earlier, and you know having those art historical references in my back pocket has been really helpful and a great tool um, f- for approaching new paintings. But I also think at the same time it's been really important to my practice to. Um, keep that context in mind and also set it aside and just work and work through ideas. And I constantly think about, um, you know, the artists, my peers also, you know, people that Um, have studios near me and friends in New York I'm constantly thinking about when I'm making a piece whether or not if my work is steering in the direction of their work and it kind of feels like I could oh I might steer their way and I'm like oh going too close to that work and and so much about art history and and being a modern day artist is, is navigating how to find your own voice with all of these influences around you it can be a little overwhelming with the internet and Instagram and all these images that are at our fingertips and then um, figuring, out to w- uh, figuring out a way to um, put that down and just focus on painting, and in a way, try to erase everything you just learned, um, but also hold yourself accountable.
0: Yeah, and that's pretty hard actually, considering we are swimming around in images, and uh, you know, there's always something who wants to wants
1: our attention yeah. one way or the other. Yeah, and it can be a little overwhelming. I would like to think that not everything has been done. Um, if, you know, if I thought the opposite of that, I don't know, it would be very difficult to be a painter today.
0: <laughs> oh, of course, that would yeah. be terrible if everything was <laughs> all been said and That's done. That's it, we're done. No, of course not. <laughs> no, the sky's the limit, and of course. But I can also understand how it's a bit daunting to be yeah. here and having all these amazing historical references.
1: It's just a balance, you know, keeping the these references in context with your own work and realizing at what point are you able to set it aside and and focus on finding your own voice and developing that further and, and building on that obsession. Do you think it's about doing the work actually just going into the studio and doing the work Uh, for sure? Like sometimes I used to paint with all these podcasts or music on. And lately I just want nothing on and I want to be free of all the distractions and the things that feel like they're holding me back. Um, a lot of these kind of distractions start to feel like weights in my life. And when I can finally set aside time to just focus on painting, I mean, I'm painting every day, several hours a day, but there's a difference when you're really there and, um, getting in a flow state can be really hard sometimes. So it's really important to, um, tap into how to do that. Trailing off a bit. <laughs>
0: no, that's very good. No, I, I honestly, I, I believe that's a very, very good point. That we actually have to find that room, that space, yeah, um, where you allow yourself to make failures and to succeed, and not have anything disturbing you.
1: Yeah, and I guess what I mean by the distractions is consumption, constantly trying to um, be, you know, the output as an artist is there, and then you know when you think about how much you're consuming on a screen or the sounds around you, um, all of that affects the work. And so I've started trying to tune into that a little bit and recognize um, what colors am I painting with when I have certain music playing or how am I reacting when NPR is on. And lately that's just a little stressful, (laughs) quite frankly. So just figuring out at what point do I want to turn it off and when do I want to bring it back in my life and see how that affects the work. That is so interesting. Good
0: luck with everything. Thank you so much for talking to me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's start
2: with who are you? I'm Rick Royale. We are at Royal Projects in downtown Los Angeles.
0: Would you say something about the current exhibition? How did it come about?
2: Um, I wanted to do an exhibition uh, bringing some new artists into the space. And there were a couple of artists that I thought would be interesting to show together. Instead of doing a, a typical kind of research the way we would have done it on other artists for this group show, What I thought would be interesting is to look at social media and see what we found visually out there, because obviously that is the way that a lot of people are looking at art now. So I put this challenge out to myself and um, my wife and to Nicolette, and we pulled together a group of artists that we just thought visually worked well together that were interesting to us, and then we started looking into the artists. Which is sort of often almost backwards the way that you would do it. You'd know the artist first, and then look at the work. One of the things that we found very curious was the commonalities between the artists that we were looking at. Many of them were women. Many of them had some sort of connection to California, whether that was they were living here, born here, had been on a residency here, etc. Um, so that brought further questions to what this exhibition was going to be and it really grew from there. And I think at the end it it ended up being interesting that we brought six different artists who really had no uh, obvious connection to each other but yet they had some sort of a cohesive kind of voice within their practices.
0: And also interesting that these artists did not know of each other beforehand.
2: True. True. Exactly. Exactly. After we selected a group of artists, we end up obviously meeting them and, and sort of interviewing them, essentially, um, and visiting studios when possible. One of the things that came out in these sort of interviews was these connections that that weren't obvious. Like uh, we asked one artist, uh, you know, what are what are these sort of new artists that you are inspired by? And she had mentioned an artist's name that we ended up looking into, and it turns out that one of the artists of the show had done a two-person show with that artist. So there's all these kind of cross-connections that I think became very interesting in the end.
0: And I think we need to to say something about the title. What is the title of the exhibition?
2: Sure, sure. Um, If You Steal My Sunshine, California Abstraction Now. We have, uh, historically, we often would title group shows with songs, just because it creates sort of a thematic uh, approach, uh, the songs would often there'd be elements of the songs that we would be trying to capture within the exhibition. So this became a bit of a challenge because the exhibition created the theme. So we were just gonna call it something else and, and not worry about the song and then initially, in, almost in joking, um, I suggested this particular song. So for those of you familiar with this song, Um, it was a kind of one-hit wonder in the 90s. It became sort of a um, summer hit, right? Um, Obviously, the sunshine was the point of reference because of California and the brightness of the exhibition. Um, But as we thought more and looked more into the song, there's actually, it really I feel is a very, very interesting sort of thematic approach to it because sort of the elements of the song itself were very diverse. It was sort of indie rock and sort of uh, rap, hip hop, I guess, uh, um, disco, some electronic music, all just jammed into this song without any sort of care. It was also kind of structured after an 80s pop tune. It was a sister and brother duo, so 50% of the narrative is from a woman's perspective. And it ended up echoing sort of the um, unspoken ethic, in a way, of some of these artists' approach to their own practices, in the sense that they're bringing from other sources, but they're not necessarily being... um, Directly referential or even reverential of that work. It's really just oh, here's a material, here's a, an, a, an aesthetic that I can use. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. And then I think that the other interesting thing is that the song, though it's a really poppy and positive, fun song, it, there's a sort of a threat to it. It's like life, you know, would be bad if you steal my sunshine, right? And it's and if you really dig into some of the, it's kind of an abstract song. The the, the narrative is isn't. Overt, and people have read a lot into it over time, as people do, right? Yeah. But is this, especially because it's a brother sister talking and whether that's intended? Uh, but the idea, this song itself, uh, like I said, though, that's, though there's a hugely positive feel to it, there is this looming threat. And I think that that's something that also I found interesting about these artists, the work feels very bright and very positive, and I mean there's pink and glitter and neon colors, but um, we're also in a time that, and particularly for women, that it is a, it's a contentious moment, I think if that's the right way of saying that, it, that also I think has a sort of a resonance to that song title, or that song itself.
0: So how, how has it been working in this way? Is it approach that you would like to expand on? I mean, is it, cause it, like you said, this is kind of backwards in a way, and, and ultimately you're using material that is out there. Someone put it out there on Instagram and there's an algorithm somehow that has made this come about considering this is an art gallery and we think about the art galleries working with a specific group of artists and you have recurrent shows, this is something completely different.
2: Yeah, yeah. We do do these exhibitions from time to time to kind of explore, right? We've done um, a number sort of historically, a number of group shows where we have explored sort of corners of aspects. We did a series a number of years back where we went into Los Angeles, did a ton of Mm -hmm. studio visits sort of back to back and put a couple of group shows together out of those visits, some of those artists we've ended up representing from that time. So there is a sense where um, I think it's really important for us to continue to explore and not get too kind of set in our ways on things. So I think that is consistent to uh, to what we do. But the way we went about it, like I said before, it was like, oh, hear about the artists, go to the studios, then look at the work. Right. Mm, It's sort of mm. um, this is look at the work, then go to the artist, and then you know hopefully go to the studio. (laughs) You know, so it's kind of it's it is backwards. Would we continue doing it? I don't know that we wouldn't continue doing it. I I I don't have immediate plans to go and do another exhibition on that. Although I could change my mind tomorrow on that because it's been really super to work with this group of artists. Um, It's definitely brought. I joke sort of internally that there's been more questions asked as opposed to answered from this exhibition, so that means there's more to dig into. There, I mean, we looked essentially at painting, you know, although that may be somewhat loosely defined. That's how we approached this, so we didn't even really um, approach sculpture or other media, um, you know, quite intentionally, but so I think there is that It could be explored. You know, my relationship with social media is is different. I'm not I'm not wildly active on it. It's something both in posting and in following. I'm not really. That's I mean I I use it. You know, obviously we all use it probably to a certain extent, but it's not something that's a super active part of my like daily life. So to activate it as a tool has been interesting to me. Um, You know, to go. And spend that time on uh, primarily Instagram with that intention. I think was interesting. So that might be uh, curious to kind of look more at that.
0: Is there anything we could say about the California abstraction now? Is there? Is there? Is there? I mean, is that a bit too much to sort of describe what's happening in in California, LA art at the moment? Maybe that's a yeah. It's
2: too it's 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 a it's a, a, it's a, yeah. it's a very big statement. It's not really intended to say that this is all of what's happening in California now, which I think is one of the things about the song title with those it, it does counter balance a little bit. The title is the theme, you know, the title of the song is the theme and the California abstraction now explains why it's connected. I guess it's I mean Uh, You know, it's very difficult to do. And, and, you know, there are a number of um, curators, particularly, who try to do these big surveys of, like, what is happening in a city or in a state or in a whatever country in a moment. And inevitably, it's an impossible dream, probably, but I think it's a worthy pursuit.
0: Of course. And I think it's interesting that you try. I mean, at least you go out in the world and you have a look at many, many things, and then you try to draw some sort of conclusion. It's yeah. very hard to say something about the now we're in.
2: Yeah, and I think you know it's interesting. Obviously, this exhibition is is all women. It wasn't intended to be a, a women's show, and we didn't want to frame it that way. Um, but there was no question through our research that was what was there was primarily. Uh, the source of the excitement we were viewing uh, was being created by women. So that's say there, there's something there. Um, I, I don't think I could say, oh, this is California abstraction. Now there's no male painters in California. <laughs> right? so That'd that, be wrong. <laughs> yeah. So obviously <laughs> that's a completely absurd statement. Um, uh, so that was that was never the intention. I think it, uh, when we use a, a, a term like that, it really is like these people are in California making AppShot work now
0: (laughs) and I say thank you very very much for putting the show together
2: thank you for having us on your podcast (laughs) thank you so
0: much